Uh, I think up next is a TED Talk. Good morning, colleagues, and uh, thank you for the opportunity to present a case study of one of our retirement fund clients um, regarding their use of alternatives. Uh, my name is Shainal Sukha from Sukha & Associates. No, we are not a legal firm. We need to address that. We are independent asset consultants. We are the current holders of the Petita Embasa Yegolide 2018 Responsible Investment Consultant of the Year. And um, we specialize in alternatives, responsible investing, and asset allocation. So our client, CRF for Local Government, is one of the largest local government funds in the country with around 26 billion of assets and has over 47,800 members, active members, and 555 pensioners. Members are based in eight of the nine provinces of South Africa, and members in local government generally select a retirement fund based on cost, returns, governance, and service. CRF rank very highly in these categories uh, and are also uh, leaders in responsible investing as well as the use of alternatives. CRF is a signatory of the United Nations Principles of Responsible Investing, one of only five retirement funds in the country um, to do so. The fund, I should just say, is not political at all. Polit politics doesn't actually, actually enter the board, uh, boardroom, despite you know, um, having DA and ANC councillors uh, on the board. My client has given us uh, the permission, permission to present this case study with the intention to share knowledge and experiences and to potentially collaborate with us to collectively address our huge social, economic, and environmental challenges. As a profession, we are good at coming up with solutions to mitigate long-term risks. Now is the time to collaborate um, now is the time to be proactive rather than reactive and also forthcoming with solutions, especially for us as a profession. You may be wondering how much CRF uh, for local government, a, de a defined contribution fund, uh, has invested in alternatives. I was going to ask the audience, but uh, I'm not sure if I get a response, but how many, does anyone want to take a guess? at how much you think this DC fund has invested. Okay, it's fine. I'll just give you the answer, sorry? Yeah, the answer is? So, currently CRF has 16.1% invested in what we define as alternatives. Out of interest, um, we, you know, uh, how many of you also feel that this amount is quite large for a defined contribution fund? I mean, do you feel that it's too risky to have 16.1%? This is a defined contribution fund, right? Um, hopefully, by the end of the presentation, I would have addressed some of that, and perhaps you'll think, actually, 16.1% may be appropriate, given where we are. Um, the first question we normally get is, whoa, you know, aren't you in breach of Regulation 28? So, well, let's break down the 16.1% and then compared to the Reg 28 limits. So CRF has around 3.8% invested in private equity. So if we just start with the red blocks, largely in infrastructure. If we add undrawn commitments, that amount to private equity increases to 5.3%. Um, 
the fund has 3.9% in hedge funds, 3% in unlisted property, and 3.9% in private debt. Again, this is how we define alternatives. We include private debt and uh, private property. As you can see, the 16.1% is well diversified across the different asset classes. We have showed the Reg 28 limits in this slide. Um, so CRF is well below the Reg 28 limits within each asset class or category. For example, 3.9% invested in private debt out of a possible 15% Regulation 28 limit. CRF, another limit to, in Reg 28 is the amount you have invested in hedge funds and private equity cannot exceed 15%. That's the, the bracket on the side. So currently, CRF has around 9.2%, which is again below the 15% limit within private equity and hedge funds. We really think that Regulation 28, uh, which prescribes, I repeat, and I agree with the previous panelist, prescribes where pension funds can invest and also prescribes maximum limits for certain asset classes is not actually a constraint. We would argue that Reg Regulation 28 is quite generous with the limits uh, that it has set regarding alternatives. The next slide shows that all of the investments, except for hedge funds, have quite a strong impact on either the environment, the so society, or both. Therefore, CRF has around 12.2% in investments with high ESG impact. On the topic of prescribed assets, so um, this is an extract we got from a CISA, which shows the ANC manifesto. And you know they talked about investment in socially productive investments, including housing, infrastructure, economic development, the village economy, and job creation. So we're saying that if this is the case, um, then actually CRF is more than compliant if the government sets 5% as the prescribed limit to socially productive investments. We think um, that most people assume, and this is an assumption, that the state, when they talk about prescribed assets, will be in, that pension funds have to hold st uh, sovereign and state-owned companies. We don't think that's the case, but we're ready to have the debate uh, if, if there's further clarity. So why did CRF invest in alternatives? And I think it comes down to three factors, risk, return, and impact. These are actually the three factors that we as asset consultants have also integrated in our investment process as well as our manager selection process. We will tackle the risk and return um, uh, components over the next few slides. CRF targets CPI plus 4% per annum uh, over rolling five years with, for its growth portfolio. With contribution rates of 27%, um, I repeat, 27% contribution rate in local government, achieving this return target consistently over 20 to 30 years would allow most members to actually achieve the 70% replacement ratio. In our strategic asset allocation modeling, we make real return assumptions for the major asset classes in order to maximize the probability of achieving the CPI plus 4% target. However, in 2013, so all the way back then, we started to get uncomfortable with the effects of quantitative easing 
uh, on, on listed markets. So globally, um, as central banks cut interest rates and falling interest rates uh, were done, obviously in central banks cut those rates um, in light of the financial crisis, primarily in the developed markets, this led to a front-loading of returns. In other words, returns were being shifted from the future to the present, as shown in this chart from BCA Research. I'm not going, going to go into all the detail because I don't have the time, but you can look at it in your own time. We therefore believe that at that time, um, returns from traditional listed asset classes uh, especially uh, were, would be lower going forward in absolute terms. And this is actually what we've experienced over the past five years, from listed equity especially. CRF fortunately warned members about this risk, about the risk and prospects of lower returns going forward. And we started this back in 2013. It's, it's on their website. And, and every year we warn members about this, 2013, 2014. And that is actually what has panned out. But at least we can go back now to members and say, well, we didn't just say that this was going to be a risk. What are the actions that the fund took to mitigate that risk? We continue to remain concerned about the effects of quantitative easing on asset class returns and how and whether this will actually be reversed at some point. The next slide shows um, we are also concerned that central banks are constrained in their ability to react to adverse shocks uh, than in the past. This chart shows that on average, the Federal Reserve has cut interest rates by 5% um, during previous recessions. Obviously, this time around, that's going to be very difficult to do where interest rates are on the 2% level. So, um, especially if the U.S. economy experiences a major downturn. So, we'll go to the different asset classes. This is listed, uh, local listed equity, and back in 2013 and 2014, we did feel that local listed equity was relatively expensive. And you can see it was about one to two standard deviations above its long-term mean. We generally assume returns of 7% real from uh, local listed equity in all the models that we do as a profession. But we felt at that point in time, the probability of actually getting to that real return of 7% would actually um, not be achievable or the probability had, had decreased. The market was trading at quite a, at, we felt, at high PEs. So that was one aspect. So we felt diversifying our local listed equity into alternatives, especially those that could give us a, around a real return of 7%, would be a good diversifier to our listed equity exposure. In 2016, this chart just shows returns of listed property. You know, at that point in time, in 2016, listed property had provided significant double-digit returns um, for more than 15 years, while our local economic growth at the time was actually trending lower. So again, we saw this as a risk, and we can see what has happened in more recent years subsequently to the asset class. Within local bonds, what we have done is just show the Albi constituents. The All Bond Index is a benchmark that most asset managers use, uh, most fixed income managers. We started getting uncomfortable with the increasing modified duration, which is the interest rate risk, 
and the credit risk within the oil bond index back in 2015. Um, I'm not sure if people even re recall, and, and I know this, but the oil B does consist of RSA, ESCOM, Transnet, and DBSA bonds. So duration started to increase back then in a rising rate environment, and the sovereign started to experience credit rating downgrades. So SOC credit risk also started to increase. So CRF therefore invested, started to diversify into unlisted corporate debt and unlisted renewable energy debt back in 2015. Future growth decision to suspend lending to, to SOCs on the 1st of September 2016 was just confirmed that we were on the right track um, in terms of our risk management strategy. We didn't disinvest from the SOCs or anything like that. We simply just highlighted that the Albee's interest rate risk and duration risk had, and credit risk had increased. And we needed a strategy that would diversify us. As an aside, I'm not even sure, as I said, that people are aware of the constituents of the Albee. Um, with the proliferation of Albee tracker funds, are people even aware that close to 7% will be invested in SOCs, um, and more than 5% is to ESCOM. Perhaps the government shouldn't prescribe a particular asset class, but perhaps they should just prescribe the Albi as a benchmark for all pension funds. That's just a joke. Um, as an aside, um, RSA bonds and SOC debt are currently actually looking attractive again from our perspective relative to our CPI plus 4% target, or CRF CPI plus 4% target. Um, now that the yields have actually gone up to reflect the underlying risks. Regarding impact, the trustees truly believe in having a positive ESG impact with their investments. In their opinion, addressing our huge social risks is a morally correct thing to do but most importantly is also just good risk management. If we were truly taking long-term risks into account in our investment strategies, given that our retirement funds have a very long time horizon, we would soon realize that our triple threat of unemployment, poverty, and job creation, and, and inequality would quickly erode the value of savings of members especially if they, those members retired in an unequal, unstable society and environment characterized by hyperinflation, high interest rates, and natural disasters brought on by climate change. As actuaries and asset consultants, we spend a lot of time calculating replacement ratios um, and other measures to ensure that members can actually receive sufficient income during retirement. Wouldn't all of this work actually be in vain if we continue to ignore our social risks, which would threaten not just it would threaten the sustainability of that income during retirement? CRF thinks so, which is why around 1.8% is currently invested in impact funds that explicitly target job creation. We, if we add the undrawn commitments, this figure increases to 3.4%. Regarding social impact, CRF seeded two credit funds, one of them you'll get more detail on later today, that have an objective of actually providing competitive returns 
but also creating jobs, which has to be verified by National Treasury and the Auditor General, in exchange for first loss guarantee mechanism from the Jobs Fund. We complement the Jobs Fund and National Treasury for their role in crowding in retirement fund money into uh, impact investments and for creating such public-private partnerships. We talk a lot about private PPPs in our country, but CRF has actually taken action in this regard. They will soon have exposure to three funds that are real and successful examples of PPPs. The government's renewable energy program, which I, which I mentioned earlier, is world-class and is another PPP which CRF have supported. Once you hear about the Jobs Fund mechanism you know, from the, in the later TED talk, I think you'll see how this is a winning model and that's something that we should be actually rolling out quite aggressively, uh, especially for if we want pension funds to invest in, this, in these type of projects. It is great to see that the FSCA, um, if you just look at the middle paragraph, shares our view around sustainability which is why they've recently finalized this sustainability guidance notice. While the industry is starting to acknowledge our social risks um, and creating products to mitigate these risks, these initiatives are still in its infancy. Many of these products struggle to raise institutional money, especially from retirement funds, when they were first launched, despite some of them having the backing of a jobs fund grant. Um, by the way, a grant is just money being set aside for you. It's not something that can be taken back. So we just find it strange that those funds uh, struggle to raise capital. If we were serious about long-term risk management, as a profession, we would be discussing the severe impact that climate change will have on us within the next decade. The World Economic Forum has set out three environmental risks as quite significant in terms of not only impact, but also likelihood. You can see them all at the top there. Uh, we agree with experts when they say that climate change will also amplify our social risks. Those with limited resources will not be able to recover from natural disasters the way we do, which creates a poverty trap. CRF has invested roughly 2.3% in renewable energy debt and equity. Realizing that coal employs more than 30,000 people in South Africa, and I think that's just in the direct industry, um, and is one of our top five exports, CRF has considered a just transition, which is why they've set job creation alongside, uh, as its key social initiative, alongside its renewable energy investments. As a profession, we must absolutely encourage our clients to address social and environmental risks. In South Africa today, if we truly aim to give members not only just an adequate retirement income, but also a sustainable standard of living during that retirement. Because our social risks are so acute, in a country with the highest inequality in the world, um, according to the World Bank, we cannot afford to kick the can down the road and must take action now. In the next section of our presentation, we have showed the performance, this is actual performance, of CRF's alternative assets since inception of their mandate with the fund or since November 2015 when we became their sole asset consultant. So the first, um, 
the line at the top, the green line, is a manager A. They invest in renewable energy debt, and manager B invests in senior debt of unlisted companies seeking expansion capital. It has a first loss guarantee from the jobs fund, which I mentioned earlier, and is classified as an imp impact investment. We have compared both these managers to the all bond index um, since we've invested. Manager C invests in direct property, mainly in non-metro areas. So it's in, in areas where, you know, uh, which require investment in rural areas. And this investment was funded from CRF's listed property exposure at the time. We therefore compared the returns to listed property as measured by the SAPI. And you can see the difference in performance. Manager D invests in mezzanine debt, which we classify as private equity. Uh, fortunately, the manager had some early investments, which reduced the J-curve effect. And also, there were some early exits, which, which is why you see that huge step up in returns um, relative to listed equity as measured by the all-share index. Manager E invests in private equity, mainly in infrastructure, and has also outperformed the all Z on a cumulative return basis since inception of the mandate. We're not cherry picking, I should just say. These are all of the alternative mandates that the fund has had. I should also say these are all net of fees, net of all management fees. So we were going to try and address some of the, the criticisms and negatives around alternative assets, such as high fees. And I've said that I've showed quite clearly that the, the returns are net of fees. Um, but some of, that we, some of this we'll carry on to the next panel discussion on private equity. Um, but things like a high governance budget for retirement funds and liquidity risk, I'm happy to address later. In the interest of time, um, in conclusion, CRF has shown, um, shown true leadership when it comes to investing in alternatives. Given the list of activities from just one fund, and it is a defined contribution fund, um, imagine the impact that retirement funds could ha actually have on society and environment if, this, if these initiatives were bulked up. Government probably realizes this potential and probably is why, is, is why they're raising the issue of prescribed assets. We hope that this case study of CRF helps to shed some of the perceptions about alternative assets and how it can actually improve risk-adjusted returns and have a positive social and environmental impact. CRF has led the way and created its own path and taken action as opposed to just talking about these things. Uh, so we hope this inspires you to, as a profession, to encourage your clients to do the same. Thanks a lot.